Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Beautiful Behavior Podcast. I am your host, Diane Sorensen, certified life coach, hypnotherapy practitioner, mother, grandmother, and human fascinated with behavior and how to live our best life. My goal is to offer you another perspective, to see behavior in ourselves, our children, and others from another angle. This podcast is for anyone who wants to feel more connected in their relationships. It's for anyone who feels the pull for something more. It's for parents and those who are not. This podcast is for anyone who wants to take a deeper look because this is where we talk about breaking generational patterns and outdated cultural beliefs, cultivating deeper connections in our life, and leading our life with more confidence and clarity. And I believe that's when beautiful behavior comes into focus. You can learn more about my process, me, and the three different ways in which beautiful behavior could come into focus for you at my website at diannesorensen.net. That's D-I-A-N-E-S-O-R-E-N-S-E-N.net. Okay, listeners, let's go. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Beautiful Behavior Podcast. Thank you for joining me here as we shift from control to connection. And so why do we want to move from controlling to connecting? And well, if you're listening to this podcast, something in your life probably isn't working well and you're a seeker. You're trying you're gaining more information in a direction to feel better in your life. Controlling in our relationships doesn't work. It doesn't feel good. It leaves one person feeling powerless while the other one has all the power. And that doesn't feel good. And it leads to defense. And defense in relationships leads to power struggle. Power struggle puts fractures in our relationships. And without repair, eventually they don't work. Control separates us while connecting unites us. So think about how you want to feel in your relationships or even how do you want to feel in your life? Oftentimes it's we want to feel more peace or more joy or whatever it is. Uh, control doesn't bring us closer to these things, to, to feeling these ways. It actually takes us further away because control is a defense. We're defending against feeling flawed or inadequate in any way because those are very painful feelings. I remember a time when I could hardly say the word inadequate. It's like, ooh, that really hit deep. 
And we may not even be aware that we have these deep, painful feelings because we have, uh, over our lifetime, since we were very young, created coping skills to not feel those. So those coping skills were a way for us to defend our worthiness and continue on. And we get the sense that we need to defend our worthiness through our traditional model of socialization. So I often, I work with two different models, our, our traditional model and, our connect, and a connected model. So our traditional model is based on judgment. Everything is judged as good or bad, right or wrong. And we judge behavior and we're judged by our behavior um, as being, we judge behavior all day long as being, this is a good behavior, this is bad behavior, this is the right behavior, this is the wrong behavior. This is the good things to do and the right things to do. These are the bad and the wrong things to do. These are the right ways and the good ways of being. These are the bad and wrong ways of being. And it's a separateness, right? And so if you can imagine there's a box labeled good and right, and there's a box labeled bad and wrong. Everything that goes into the box of good and right is accepted. Everything that's bad and wrong in the bad and wrong box is rejected. So if I'm good and right, I am deserving of acceptance, of love, and all the good things. And if I'm bad or wrong, I'm undeserving of love and acceptance and all the good things. And so bad things come to me. And in the traditional model, there's this belief that if one feels bad, they will then strive to do better. And the problem with that is that this is a a pattern that we live out over and over and over and we internalize it. So our belief becomes if I'm bad and wrong, I am flawed or inadequate in some way. I'm not good enough to be over there in that good and right and deserving box. And that is extremely painful. And to cope with the pain, we do one of two things. We either become pleasers to avoid Uh, being hurt, or we become controllers, controlling everything and everyone to avoid being hurt. And pleasing is a way of control. Both of these are a defense. But what gets tricky is with 
we think pleasing, like when for children, if they're pleasing us, we tend to see that as compliant and it feels good. They are doing whatever I want them to do. Then we judge these children as good and right and deserving. They get rewarded for giving up their own thoughts and ideas and feelings to become whatever it is we need them to become. And so essentially, we are making children victims. The message is the world is a dangerous place. Be whoever it is you need to be to be seen as good, right, and deserving. And a problem with this is that we then take this victimhood into our adult life. So if we use the coping skill as being pleasing as a child, we will take that into our adulthood. And even though it does get us from adulthood or from childhood to adulthood safely, in adulthood it 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 isn't it isn't healthy way to be in our life or in relationships. It causes a lot of drama. And we expect others to rescue us. And if you take this into your parenting role, so if you are a pleaser or a peacekeeper or a, you know, don't rock the boater, you essentially are harmony at all costs or, you know, avoiding conflict at all costs, you are taking victimhood. You are a victim. You're taking victimhood into your parenting role and you will most likely, unconsciously, unknowingly, expect your children to rescue you by becoming you know, behaving in the ways that they need, that you need them to behave, to become who you need them to become, to fit in that box of good and right and deserving. So this traditional model becomes a pattern, a generational pattern of proving ourselves, And if you're on the uh, defending yourself or your coping skill is to control everything and everyone, you essentially become the persecutor and it creates a lot of drama in our lives. So with this stance as an adult and bringing this into parenting, you have this insatiable need to be right and just kind of bulldoze through everybody, not giving anybody a chance to really have an opinion or an idea or feel a certain way. It's just my way or the highway. And whether you are in the victim role or the persecutor role. And and by the way, there I do have a PDF on these roles, the drama roles and the uh, 
uh, empowered brawls, sorry. Um, and I will put the link to that in the show notes. But whether you're coming from this from a victim stance or persecutor stance, there's a rightness about it. Like a victim will be the right way of being is to be nice, to be kind, to um, everybody, if I'm doing it right, everyone should be happy. And a persecutor has this insatiable need to be right. And, you know, they're just going to plow through uh, to be right. And what they're really doing is masking or defending a lot of pain that's been buried deep, deep down. And all the drama roles are about uh, avoiding that, that pain, that underlying pain of being wrong because being wrong is in that box of bad and undeserving. It means there's some kind of flaw. There's some inadequacy. And as I think about this, really a victim will give up their rightness and to other people and say, oh yeah, 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 you're right. You're right. Because a victim's uh biggest need is to be liked. Whereas a persecutor doesn't necessarily need to be liked, they just need to be right. And then of course you've got the rescuer who's going to come in, save the day for everybody because they have all the right answers and all the right things to do. And all of these roles really are about seeking validation. So a rescuer rescues to, you know, seek validation and everybody likes me because I've solved their problem. And, but really all of these are seeking some kind of validation. Being liked, a victim being liked means I'm validated. I matter. A persecutor being right means I matter. And a rescuer, being able to fix things, means I matter. So they're really all looking for validation that I matter, which comes back to our sense of worthiness and our goodness and our enoughness. So this need to be right is really ingrained into our, you know, internalized model into our sense of self-worth. So the first step to creating less drama in our lives, less chaos in our lives is uh, the awareness of our own conditioning. The awareness of this traditional model and how it has impacted your beliefs 
and how you show up in the world. And it's not about making it bad or wrong because really in, in a connected model, the basis for a connected model is acceptance. Accepting where I am at, where I have been, where I am at now. And then that creates choice of where I want to go from here. Do I want to continue on the same path? And if it's yes, great. And if it's, hmm, I think I'd like to make some shifts or some changes, then the connected model offers a path to that. It offers a path to new ways. And now often our our conditioned mind jumps to, okay, what's what's the what what are those ways? Um what do I do instead? So the first tool to use is noticing or to practice. The first thing to practice is noticing. Noticing replaces judgment. So this is a process and a practice. So just notice. Even notice when judgment comes up. Like when you are noticing those thoughts, those stories, the narrative in your head about, oh, this person is being so disrespectful and rude and you know, blah, 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 blah. That's judgment. That's the story in your head. So noticing allows you to see without attaching a story to it, without the need to change it in this moment. So notice, notice when these drama roles show up. Notice if you're being the victim. Notice when you are, you know, in that pleasing role or um, keeping the peace. Or notice when the persecutor shows up and you're demanding. Or notice when the rescuer shows up because you may have one of these show up more than another. And you may notice that different ones show up in different relationships or in different areas of your life. And because we're so other focused, we look out externally at others. We know exactly what's going on with them, but we often miss what's going on with us. So we may see all of these in others And what I'm going to challenge you to do is turn that light onto you and say, "Mm, where do I see these in me? And remember, noticing isn't self-blame. That's judgment. So another thing you can notice is when you are in blame, when you're blaming someone, is 
when you are blaming another, you are in a drama role. So maybe notice that. Where does blame pop up? And once you notice it, allow it to be there. Because often what we do when we're so used to blaming others, when we turn that spotlight to us, then we start blaming ourselves. Because blame is our defense. And we've used this all of our life as a coping skill. So it just doesn't go away. So just notice that even. Notice that, oh, I'm criticizing myself. I'm blaming myself. I'm judging myself. And then the next tool to use is self-compassion. Allowing that part of you to be there and have compassion for it. Because here the, here's the deal. It doesn't mean that's who you are. If the victim role is showing up, that doesn't mean you are a victim. It means, oh, that's the part of me that was coping with feeling whatever, feeling inadequate, feeling powerless. So you can have compassion for that part. Oh, there you are, victim part. I see you. I hear you. I feel you right in my chest or wherever it might be. And I'm not going to try and get rid of you or push you away. I'm going to see you. I'm going to hear you. And I'm going to understand you. And we're going to do this together. Because as we create more compassion for ourselves, we are able to offer more compassion in our relationships. And compassion creates connection. So those are the two tools that you could start using today and practicing them this week. Noticing with self-compassion. And this needs to be done with in, within yourself so that you can start noticing and offering compassion with others in your relationships, in your parenting. So have a great week and I'll see you again back here next week as we uh, move beyond controlling others to connecting and creating more fulfillment in our lives. All right. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you for tuning into the Beautiful Behavior Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show or previous shows, I would so appreciate you subscribing and leaving a review. I am so grateful for all of you listeners who are joining me here for these conversations because I believe it's through these type of conversations that we start to shift the paradigm, creating a more loving and compassionate world. I hope you will join me here each week as we discover new ways to show up in our lives and create a bigger impact. And if you are ready to take this to the next level, head on over to my website at diannesorensen.net. Again, that's D-I-A-N-E 
S-O-R-E-N-S-E-N.net. Get on my calendar and see how you can be supported and if we're a good fit so that you can get out of survival and into thrival. Change is possible and I've got you.